lot more ready to follow myself than that thing. <laughs> but good morning again. Uh, my name is Nikki. We've met on the screen already, if we haven't met in person. Uh, I serve here with your family ministry team, and David is actually over at our Pearland campus this morning. He is um, taking that social dilemma message that he shared last week over to them. Um, I heard a lot of stirrings and a lot of thought-provoking questions and um, just uh, things that you have said about that message. So I think um, I'm really glad that he's able to share it with our Pearland campus too in that manner, which means that I get to be here to continue with our next installment of Evil Yay. Um, <laughs> there's no pressure like that to step in the middle of a series like this that has a lot of weight to it, but I'm really thankful for this opportunity to be with you here today. Um, I've heard a lot of people talk about this series too, that um, not just is it stirring things inside, but it's really Something that the church, not just Redeemer Church, but like our global church, doesn't talk a lot about evil. So I'm really um, glad that we've chosen to step into that. And depending on your church background, um, you may or may not have had a lot of experiences with pastors talking about evil. Um, some of you probably have, and um, I know the reality is that it may have even been part of ushering you into a uh, decision that you may or may not feel like it's your own, the, uh, the evil and the eternal path that it leads us. So um, first, I'm sorry if that's your experience. Here at Redeemer, we really do believe in the leadership and discipleship path that Jesus led his disciples in. And so I hope that you are seeking the truth um, and um, finding some comfort in these messages. So in week one, David actually defined evil, and uh, we're going to build on a lot of that today. If you missed that one, I just want to encourage you to circle back and check it out. It's got some good stuff in there. Um, I also want to encourage you, as you uh, are thinking about these messages, as you're working through this, not to keep that to yourself. I want to encourage you to share those experiences with other people, um, either with your growth group, with your friends, um, with a girlfriend over coffee, or a guy while you're building a wheelchair ramp, or whatever you guys do when you actually talk about your feelings and stuff. Uh, <laughs> like it's wheelchair ramps. Um, but I just want to encourage you to not keep those experiences to yourself. I want to encourage you to bring those experiences to the light because the darkness cannot stay dark when it's exposed to God's light. So this morning we are going to answer the question, do you really believe in the devil? Not just you, but all of us. Do we really believe in the devil? Um, and because my answer to that is an emphatic yes, I'd like to open us up with a word of prayer. Will you bow your heads with me? Great and mighty God, with just one word, the darkness flees, God. I pray that truth over this morning. I pray that we are able to stand in the victory of the crucifixion, the ascension, and the glorification of the Lord Jesus Christ in this message, God. I pray your protection over this space. I pray... Um, your conviction and your stirring, that is a grace of the Holy Spirit in all of us today, Lord God. Um, we are thankful that we can call on the name of God with just one word, with confidence that you are good, that you are always good, and that you are always working for our good. Please help uh, this morning to be one that is filled with hope, that is filled with truth, that is filled with your peace, that transcends all of our understanding, Lord God. It's in Jesus' name. So before I get started, I have to say thank you. My husband Jacob's here this morning at this service, so I can say thank you to him. Uh, if you have not met Jacob, he is certainly the more cerebral 
of our marriage, and he has spent as many hours and um, edits and late nights working through this message as I have. So thank you, honey, for your help. Um, so I'm giving you my answer. Yes, I believe in the devil. I actually believe a lot about the devil. To say that we've met would be an understatement. But I recognize that this might not be your experience. In fact, this is one of the things that causes non-Christians to view us as delusional. We think, and I get that, you think of this little character with some horns and pitchfork and a little pointy tail. Um, it's a little bit, we actually have a lot of characters that distract us. We have an Easter bunny hopping along. We have this other guy in a red suit. Um, and um, it can seem a little bit silly at times. In fact, last year, Match.com had a commercial that uh, characterized the devil for us. And I'd like to, uh, like to show you this morning. This is what the world thinks about Satan, obviously. So I'd like to share that with you today. So where are you from? Hell. Me too. Call me or save me. I've been feeling so alone. I keep waiting for you, but you never come. Is this in my head? I don't know what to think. You gotta watch that again. Every time I watch that, it gets funnier. It's like Dumb and Dumber. You just find those little things that get funnier. So they add in some Taylor Swift love story, and it's just almost endearing. You can almost empathize with a guy. You want them to make a match. Um, and now we know what happened to all of the toilet paper last year. So as ridiculous as thinking that when January 1st, 2021 rolled around, um, that all of these things, all these challenges that we saw last year were going to magically dissipate. I think we can agree that this is a pretty ridiculous portrayal of the enemy. I do think, though, it's fair to say that whatever you believe about Satan, uh, that we do have a sense that there is a good and an evil work to be in every comic, every novel that's ever been written. It's Neo and Agent Smith. It's Hans Gruber and John McClane. It's Simba and Scar. It is Agent Starling and Hannibal Lecter. Um, it's in everything that's ever been told. And we all love this good versus evil dream. We need a saver. Or a savior, maybe. I think so. But if Jesus isn't your guy, you might be thinking, sure, 
I can believe in these social constructs of good and evil. But isn't it just cognitive bias or implication to think that there is some good and bad deity that is weighing our decisions and influencing us? There's a Christian apologist that I really come to respect and love named Ravi Zacharias. And he and his listening to his debates actually helped me form my opinion to this. Um, Ravi says something like this. It says, evil implies God. That if there is evil, it must mean there is good. If there be a moral law. And if there is a moral law, there must be a moral law giver. That moral law giver is God. In other words, there is God as agent, an evil, which is what we have come to know as Satan. That's part of how we see bad things happen in our world today. There is a cosmic war going on that we can't see. I'm actually going to circle back and talk about Robbie here in a little while. But Christians know that these bad things were introduced by the choosing of our own way. Chose their way over God's and ate of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. David talked about Genesis 3, and I'm not going to retell that narrative, but if you're not familiar with the story, I do encourage you to circle back in your scriptures and um, just read kind of how we have this foundational thought of Satan. And the Bible teaches that there is an adversary. Uh, the literal translation in Hebrew is the Satan. And then later in the Greek New Testament, which is, I mean, our New Testament, uh, he's called Diablos or the devil. And so he has a lot of names for him. Uh, but from Genesis all the way to Revelation, there is an adversary at work against the plans of God. And there... Uh, is an entire sermon series written in just that one idea. So I want to um, just maintain we're going to keep this a little higher level. But if you have some questions about that, we'd love to talk about that more. Um, just like the one that he opposes, this adversary comes in many forms. He's known as Satan, the devil, the evil one, the adversary, the deceiver, the opposer. And the Bible tells us that Satan masquerades as an angel of life on forms of our trusted Messiah. And my friend, who is wise beyond her 18 years of age, said this. She said, I know the devil is real in times where I feel that I'm safe, but I'm really not. The Bible is very clear that we have an enemy. And most Christians recognize that the enemy is present. I say most because in researching for this message, I learned that some professing Christians actually don't. My good friend Mark Driscoll, we're not really good friends, I just follow him online, um, <laughs> he says it's like this, it's kind of like vegans eating a steak. To be Christian is to recognize and acknowledge the forces of evil that are working against So, in fact, according to Barna research, 40% of Christians surveyed say that Satan is not a living being. Rather, he is a symbol of evil. Uh, additionally, 19% of the people that were surveyed somewhat agree with that. 35% somewhat disagreed, but they weren't sure exactly what to say they thought about this evil. 
Interestingly, too, a majority of Christians that were surveyed, the same group of people, did believe the influences of demons or spiritual forces. Still, 30% of that group rejected that idea, and 8% had no opinion on the matter. They also asked Christians if they believe that a person must side with either God or the devil. Here are the results of that survey. 61% agreed, and again, 3% of the Christians surveyed had no opinion. X Christians. We are the ones who have got to get woke. Know what you believe. Know what you stake eternity on. That's not something to scare you. That is not some kind of evil manipulation to make you choose what I believe and what I've chosen for myself. That is in clear response to the Bible's call for us to know and be ready to give an answer and an account for who it is that we serve. Loving God with all of our minds being be nope. Loving God with all of our minds means being ready to give an account for that. It means thinking through these things. It means never asking questions until we have come to a pragmatic place of peace about where we rest our hope in. Um, in the same survey, 42% of Christians agreed with the statement that the Bible and the Quran and the Book of Mormon are all expressions that promotes tolerance and diversity and inclusiveness. Make no mistake, friends, God is not uncertain about his identity, and he is not uncertain about who his enemy is. So how do we have such a hard time making these distinctions? Let me help clear that mud a little bit. Symbols don't tempt people to evil. Don't align to annihilate a human race. I'm standing here with some friends who walked the paths of Auschwitz with me. We have seen the realities of that evil. Symbols don't tell mamas to drown their children. Again, to quote Ravi Zacharias, truth by its very nature is exclusive. I men mentioned Ravi before. Um, Ravi's story uh, is actually how I know that the adversary is real. Ravi, um, if you're not familiar with him, he is a Christian apologist for more than 40 years. He's authored over 30 books on the subject of Christianity. He has um, debated with every other Every question that has been asked about the Christian faith. And Ravi was actually born to an Anglican family, but he was a skeptic until the age of 17 when he swallowed poison to take his own life. And there was a local Christian worker who came to the hospital and gave his mother a Bible. And she said, read to him from the words of John chapter 14. John chapter 14 contains the story of Jesus with Thomas the Apostle. You may have heard him, if you've heard the story growing up, we call him Doubting Thomas. Thomas is the one that would not believe in the reincarnated Jesus until he saw the hands, I mean, the, nail, the holes in the hands and feet of his Messiah. And then he recognized him at once. 
It's John chapter 14, 19 that Ravi says was the, de the defining paradigm. And it says, because I also will live. Ravi thought to himself, this may be my only hope. Life as defined by the author of life. And so it was that very moment that he committed his life to Christ. And he prayed, Jesus, if you are the one who gives life as it is meant to be, I want it. Please get me out of this hospital bed well, and I promise that I will leave no stone unturned in my pursuit of truth. Robbie's life was devoted to a relentless pursuit of the gospel and bringing its truth to life for countless skeptics. Uh, Jacob and I have listened to countless of his debates, and I would say that we, um, we always learn something new, and we always experience the love of God through listening to Robbie speak. He debated, but never in hostility, always in love. Sadly, last year in May of 2020, Robbie passed. And just a few months before that, there were some allegations that were hurled, alleged and confirmed, that Robbie had engaged in sexual misconduct and adultery throughout his adult life. Accusations have been hurled. There was a lot of money involved. The accusers um, asked for a lot of dollars to remain silent. It's a really messy instance. Um, it's still going on. Actually, by the very ministry that Robbie founded to expose the truth. Because that's what they do. That's what they've been devoted to their entire lives, exposing the truth even when it's something that they may not want to know. And the hearts of Robbie's family, as you can imagine, are hurting. The hearts of Robbie's followers are hurting. My heart is hurting. Robbie is someone that I deeply respected. And I want you to know this morning that I still do. I just see him more human now. We put people on pedestals. And they take a fall in humanity that is a lot further than it needs to be. All humans are human. We can neither idolize nor demonize people. We have to see ourselves and those around us as people. Capable of redemption, yet sinful people. Again, to quote Mark Driscoll, he says, whoever we idolize, we will also demonize. Even still, how does such a godly man engage in such ungodly acts? He chose his way over God's. Evil is a lot more than stupid human choices. Evil is when we choose our own way over God's. If you follow the news, you've probably seen a lot of other church leaders in the years recent who have been exposed for similar or other kinds of wrongdoing. Godly people, people are capable of ungodly things every time we choose our own way over God's. In every case, there are followers, there are friends who are left there wondering and questioning the sovereignty of God, questioning the goodness of God, which invites 
these temptations from the enemy. That is why we say over and over again in our Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Jesus taught us to pray against this temptation. And in full um, vulnerability this morning and accountability, I want you to know, church, that your church staff here actually does this. We open our scripture every single time that we meet for a staff Bible study. We talk about what it means in our own lives. We talk about it, what it mean, what about what it means in other lives around us. We talk about the questions that we have. We are not afraid to ask questions and say, this doesn't make sense to me, or I understood it this way. We all actually come from a lot of different church backgrounds. So there's some good conversation that's had in that. Um, but I want to say that to you this morning for, um, for two things. One, to acknowledge there is a biblical call to leadership. And two, to acknowledge the accountability that we have before you and in each other's lives. I firmly believe that Ravi and a lot of these other church leaders would not have taken those steps in choosing their own way if someone had seen them. If someone had seen them to encourage them. If that darkness had been exposed to the light. This is the importance of Christian community is the importance of having a conversation with someone when it may take every bit of bravery that you have to let those words come out of your mouth. But I encourage you to do so because you never know when you are the one person that might change the path and might thwart those lies and that inviting of doubt and temptation from the enemy. And Jesus himself was not immune to this tempter. Um, I'm going to open up. The words are going to be here on the screen if you want to open up your Bible or your Bible app. We're going to be in Luke chapter 4 this morning. Luke 4 actually parallels Matthew 4, which is the first instance that we see of this adversary in the New Testament. This is not mine. Luke chapter 4 says this, starting in verse 1. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left in Jordan and was led by the spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. Jesus said to him, nope, the devil said to him, if you tell this stone to become bread, Jesus then answered, it is written that man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him at an instant all the kingdoms of the world, and he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It's been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. He said, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up on their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to a test. Verse 13, when the devil had finished all of this tempting, he left him at an opportune time. Satan knew scripture well. He sparred with the very word incarnate. But notice Jesus didn't engage with this tempter. He kept it quick. He kept it straight to the word of God. 
that second temptation almost makes me laugh to hear Satan say that he had been given authority over all of this and could give it to God's own son. The difference between Satan and Jesus, the difference between evil and good, is not knowing scripture. It's obeying scripture. The difference between knowing the Bible and living the Bible. Satan knows humans. He knows us well. He knows exactly what will tempt us and turn us to doubt. And he struck at a very opportune time. Just before this story, in Luke chapter 3, you see Jesus baptized. John the Baptist um, baptizes Jesus. God himself, uh, well, his voice descends from the clouds. There's a dove. It's a beautiful scene. God says, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. Satan didn't try to ruin that show. He waited until Jesus was alone and halt. If you're not familiar with this acronym, modern psychiatry actually has this. It's for physical or emotional conditions that leave an individual vulnerable. Um, I'm sure that we can agree that Jesus was hungry. He had been fasting for 40 days. I'm not sure that he was angry. But I do wonder if perhaps at this point, just before he began his public ministry, with his calling a little bit, he was about to fully embody the rescue plan he had made with God from the beginning. I'm sure that he was lonely, and I know beyond know that he was exhausted. I'm sure it was hot and he was tired. Satan knew just the moment to come in and tempt. Earlier, I mentioned my very wise young friend, and when she and I were talking, a little bit about this over the weeks in my preparation. She told me this story and gave me permission to share with you about this opportune time in her life. Uh, she is about to graduate high school and uh, was on the phone one day with a college recruiter, excited and ready to plan out the next steps of her life. She, um, instead of sitting in her house with her parents on the edges of their seats, wanting to know word that's been instead of the conversation, she stepped out onto her front porch. A sweet friend of mine also has um, not um, been protected from the realities of 2020, and some folks that she knows um, have come to understand that she might have some different life choices and beliefs and political thoughts than her, and it has come with a lot of uh, bullying and a lot of unkindness. And so it was in the moment that she stepped out on this front porch of her house that these friends warn her. Here she is on the phone planning out a very exciting time in her life. And at an opportune time, these friends walked and just stood in front of her and laughed. What an interesting timing for them to stand in front of her. I'm very proud of her, though, because instead of being discouraged by that experience, she was actually encouraged because she was able to see it for exactly what it was, evil, albeit pretty harmless, just really unkind. It was evil. It was a moment where she was to doubt the goodness of God in her life. She was to doubt the hope of the future that God has planned for her. And that's 
exactly what Satan wanted God he wanted him or wanted Jesus to do he wanted him to doubt God he wanted him to doubt who he was he was trying to turn Jesus from the confidence that he was about to impart and um, doubt who he was and that's exactly what he wants us to do he wants us to doubt that we are God's chosen well planned for and cared for children but I don't want us to give the adversary too much credit here something else is at work against us friends and that is us you've heard it said a lot of times this idea of the devil made me do it but the truth is this sin nature has been part of humans since those very first humans it is part of human the devil just doesn't have that much power over us everything that he does is under the sovereign control of God and I know that brings people to a really hard place to rationalize the sovereignty of God over evil the fact is that because of God's great love because of God's true love we have to have free will we have to have the choice to choose God and that has to have something else to choose from so much more than Satan in the work of human lives I believe that humans are at the work against ourselves rather than the man with the red horns and the really weird chin that we saw earlier I think that this video clip actually is a more accurate portrayal of how Satan is at work in our lives this is actually a clip from 2017's Wonder Woman take a look he ruined it day by day and I the only one wise enough to see it was left too weak to stop them all these years I have struggled alone whispering into their ears ideas inspiration for formulas weapons but I don't make them use them they start these wars on their own all I do is orchestrate an armistice I know they cannot keep in the hope they will destroy themselves but it has never been enough until you when you first arrived I was going to crush you but I knew that if only you could see what the other gods could not then you would join me and with our powers combined we could finally end all the pain all the suffering the destruction they bring and we could return this world to the paradise it was before them forever that line he said but I don't make them use them they start these wars on their own 
The truth is that we are oftentimes the ones that invite the work of the enemy into our lives. And I know that's a lot easier for me to say because I've been working through this for quite some time now. But it is when we lean into the temptations of our nature of pride and lust that we give him an invitation. We choose not to listen and to obey God's word. We choose not to trust that God is working out his best for our lives. And we, instead of obeying God's word, we choose to obey our own desires. But there is something much bigger than us. And we have to learn to use God's word to fight off that temptation. It can be as simple, just like John said earlier, as one word. By calling on the powerful name of Jesus when we're on shaky ground. Think for a minute. What is your shaky ground? What is that thing you've been wrestling with a little bit, keeping to yourself, that might need to be exposed to God's light? Thinking back to Ravi Zacharias, the adversary did not cause Ravi to sin. Ravi caused Ravi to sin. It was Ravi who made those decisions. Ravi was in control. We are accountable for our own actions. It was Ravi who made those decisions. The adversary just offered a nudge, an invitation to take things further than we wanted them to go, a push just beyond our conviction. But he never causes us to sin. That has been part of humans since the very first humans. We can't pass that blame to the adversary. So what do we do then? How do we fight this? How do we fight back? What do we do? We have to learn to use scripture as it calls itself as a sword. We have to learn to have not only head knowledge, but heart knowledge of God's word. It means not just knowing it in our head, but knowing it through experience, being willing to step out of something that we can rationalize that makes sense in our own minds and trust that God's way is always better. This work comes throughout our entire lives. And folks, this work comes always in community. We really want to encourage you to be in a pair or in a group when you study God's word. Last week, Shannon mentioned that we are going to have a Lenten devotional starting on Ash Wednesday, um, which is called the Red Letter Challenge. And as I've looked through this, I um, actually saw a lot of parallels with some of the truths that we share today. It is um, a very wonderful way to engage in the Word of God every single day, to see what God really has for us, and to begin to think about how that applies to our lives. I want to encourage you to be a part of a group. There are some new groups that are forming just around this, so if you're not ready to make a complete group commitment, that's okay. It's a 40-day look at what God's Word says as you engage or re-engage in discovering what God's truth has to say about your very own life. It's time for us to not only learn God's Word, but to live out God's Word. There is an adversary that is real. And humans have a choice. We can choose our own way to think that we know better and to give Satan 
room to tempt, where we can choose God's way. And it is taking every ounce of patience that I have to let David come in and bring the last concluding, concluding thoughts to this series. There is a rider on a white horse that will come redeem his people and slay this adversary once and for all. Come back next week for the last installment of Evil Lives. Let's pray. Powerful and mighty God, there is no name but yours that can press the darkness back, God. Thank you for your word. Thank you for community. Thank you for friends and family that we can step into and learn not only what your word says, but how it can change our lives, God. We can learn how it can apply to our lives. We can trust you to work good. Lord, I pray that for every single person that's hearing this message this morning, Lord God, that you would stir in us these ways where we've been choosing our own way, God. Sometimes we don't even recognize it. Sometimes it just makes sense. But God, move us to think about your will, to trust you more, Lord. Oh, for the grace to trust you more. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.